Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today I'm joined by Maud Kelly, who is with Greenlands Farm. She grew up in the 80s on a two-acre homestead farm her parents developed and designed and developed Greenlands Farm and 2004. They began to share their roots with the community in 2010 when Greenland's farm became an agritourism farm. As their three-generational family grew and aged, Greenland's farm has gone through changes since 2010. They are now an events venue, breeders of rare poultry, organic farmers of seasonal fruits and vegetables, and offer educational programs. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So talk to us about growing up on, it sounds like you grew up on a a homestead. And so talk to us about that experience. Well, I'll start and say I had um, no other friends that had the same lifestyle as we Uh did. Um, So it was very different. I think um, a lot of kids thought I was a little, well, I was a strange kid. I was very shy, Um, but I had my whole classroom, I think in fourth or fifth grade to do a um, kind of a morning on our farm and learn Mm -hmm. about vegetables and animals. And then I quickly became a very cool kid. So, um, (laughs) okay. It was, um, I think it was, there was not as many people homesteading back then. Uh, My parents did it out of necessity. Of course, as a kid, you're not aware of, um, you know, your financial standings normally, but we were, um, my parents are trying to get out of debt. So they just reduced a lot of expenses and started growing mm-hmm. and producing our own food um, and living off of our little two acres. That felt like about 10 acres when I was a kid. I still can't believe it was only two acres, but um, yes. they did a lot of two acres. <laughs> yeah, I grew up, well, until I was 12 and three quarters of an acre in suburbia. And thinking back, I mean, that felt huge. And now when yeah. I drove, I drove by like, you know, five years ago and the thing's a postage stamp. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, all right. So then you came the cool kid. Now at that age, were you, well, you know, in, involved yeah, I don't in know it? Cool kid, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cooler, I guess. Cool. <laughs> um, so were you involved at all in any of like the, um, the enterprises on the farm, the projects at all, or at that young age? I did. Um, I raised my own rabbits um, and sold them and my parents let me save the money from it. So I learned uh, entrepreneurship um, from a very, I mean, this was, I think it was, must've been fourth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was very young to have learned, you know, how to care for something. Um, They helped me of course, with meeting people because it wasn't you know, they didn't quite go that far with it, but, um, you know, it was a, a learning experience to take pride in something that you were doing and, um, see the fruits of it. Um, and then we did, um, we sold, we were allowed to pick the baby goats whenever they were born, we would pick our favorites to keep. And then my sister and I would sell them. Um, so, you know, we, we learned very early how to make it, um, not only for us, but also living um, as a family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Now, as you grew up, did you, when you were going to the school, did you go to a college and did you specialize in anything there related to farming? No, I did not. <laughs> okay. Um, we got out of, um, my parents' business grew. They were landscape architects and did um, design build and installation for landscaping. And I also grew up doing that. I ran a crew um, from, I think from when I was 15 mm -hmm. and um, on until I was in my early 20s. And so I went to school. I studied music when I was started violin when I was seven. Okay. And um, music was always a big part of our family. And so I went to school for music and I have a degree in viola performance. Oh, very and cool. then I fell in love again with plants. And so I went to school for a second bachelor's degree in landscape architecture. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And then that eventually brought you back to the farm. Yeah. Um, honestly, what happened was um, a great recession mm. that we all lost our jobs as landscape architects. So we were kind of forced to um, make something of the farm. Uh, my parents were um, kind of, you know, everybody, I think, thought that the recession was going to end. And so they kept paying people and and, um, you know, kept trying to carry the company along until there was just not really um, any way to continue. So yeah. they shut the firm and then we moved here from the Charlotte area to help them save the farm. Honestly, like we were they were about to lose all of it just because of the, the recession. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So the you've got a couple different aspects or, or enterprises on the farm. What was kind of the first thing that you started? Was it the rare poultry or was it the event space? What what kind of started off? Uh, we started making goat's milk soap. That was okay. the start of everything. <laughs> um, my parents had goats and um, mom always wanted to make soap. And I love doing um, essential oil blends. So we started making um, products that um, soap and lotions and um, a few other things. My mom used to be a professional baker in the early 80s. So we started baking again and then kind of bloomed into a full-on uh, farm store. So, okay. so um, we ran that until 2017. Um, so it just kind of grew from there. We started adding, um, there wasn't a whole lot in Brunswick County. I don't, I don't know how many listeners you'll have that are familiar with Brunswick County, but it is a rural um, it's a very large county with not many, um, not very high population. And there's not, it's growing quite a bit. It's one of the fastest growing counties. Uh, but there's not, there wasn't a lot of educational experiences mm. back in 2012. Um, so we brought that uh, to the area to kind of get our community out and do some hands-on experiences and just share our lifestyle and hopefully have people make a connection again to, um, you know, what, what our world and, um, agriculture can offer us. And Brunswick County, is that on the coast below Wilmington? It's below. It is below. Sorry. I had to picture a map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, lived so, I lived in Wilmington mostly. I grew up in Wilmington. So like Brunswick County is it was it's funny they live here because um or they moved here because it was the place you just never went <laughs> interesting so, and it's so, so 
Yeah, it's so close to North Myrtle Beach and Myrtle Beach. You think yeah, that, that it would, is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So then um, the farm store ran that till 2017. Let's talk about the events aspect there because I'm looking at your website here. You've got a lot of info there about the events. You get an event barn. You have a beautiful um, pine grove where you do the weddings and that sort of thing. How did that start? Well, um, we were doing community events um, from the beginning and they, you know, most of the operations, we did have help now and then, and we have always had wonderful volunteers. Um, but, you know, the core of everything was run by three of us and it mm. got to be very overwhelming and too much for all of us. So after 2017, we kind of took a little bit of a breath and then sat down and looked at um, what we enjoyed doing and what would <laughs> not to sound lazy. Cause if anybody knows me, they know we are not lazy people, but what was easy for us, like mm-hmm. manageable and in that sense, not what was easy um, as a lazy perspective, but what, what we could do with, um, you know, as a family and still have time to have some enjoyment in life. So we, focused on weddings and smaller events instead of 1200 people out here uh, for one event. Um, So it just, you know, COVID um, allowed us to do a lot of um, updates to the farm. We had plenty of time to do things (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because nobody was doing weddings. So um, we took that time and um, put our last efforts into um, this new form of Greenland's farm. Gotcha. And so is the, the wedding barn, is that really very recent or? No. So that's our, that's our magically transformed space okay. <laughs> from a landscape architecture firm to a farm store and now to an events venue. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now let's talk about, um, let's say like thinking like someone who wants to, has a farm, they're like, okay, I think I could do wedding venue or wedding venue or something here. What are some things they need to think through before they decide to go down that road? Well, you know, we're, one of the things I started telling our, um, guests that come to look at the farm is, you know, like I said, our whole, um, platform that we have here now is solely based around us and what we can do. And I think that when we started this process in 2012, um, when we I was added in, it's actually started in 2010, but when we moved in 2012, um, we just kind of did too much. Mm. And understanding um, what you're capable of, and sometimes you have to do what we did, which was do too much and realize it's too much, um, and then pull things back, but going into something with a little more, um, you know, realistic goals of what one person can do and not one person being 20 people. So that was, um, you know, that was a big thing for us, uh, with our new, um, journey as, uh, Greenland's farm was making sure that, um, you know, we could handle what we were doing because, you know, we, we care. Um, and I'd rather do 12 weddings a year instead of a hundred because I'd rather put all my effort into 12 people and do it very good. Um, yeah. instead of, you know, stretch myself thin over, you know, a hundred people. So, and obviously you have to make sure that ends meet 
Yeah. Um, there is that too. Um, we're also unique in that we still now, again, um, it's just my mom and I, but we started doing landscape architecture again as the economy turned around and, you know, same thing. We only take on as many projects. Yeah. As, doesn't cause stress, but we do have another source of income. So um, I know that we're unique in that way, probably um, where we have technically two jobs, but um, you know. Yeah. All right. So then the, how many events do you typically do a year? Well, that's hard to tell because of COVID. <laughs> yeah. So you're still seeing um, a, a decrease because of that. Yeah. I mean, we're starting, I mean, this week I have four brides that are coming. That's the first to look at the farm. Like mm. I've never had that many come in one week. Um, so it's slowly, you know, picking up. So, you know, like I said, this being solely doing weddings and small events is new for us. Um, but before that, when we were running, um, you know, our other programs, we probably did, oh gosh, um, probably five or six events a month. Um, mm. So we were doing workshops and we may get back to some of those things. You know, we, we, we just, we really love people and we love sharing mm -hmm. our knowledge. Um, so it's hard to let go of some of these things. And, you know, we still talk about like, well, maybe we could, you know, fit this one thing in. And um, so we're still taking it kind of slow, getting back into it. So we may do workshops again, but in um, classes, it's just, you know, like I said, we're trying to be smarter about it this time yeah <laughs> so the the obviously it sounds like the weddings are where the money is in events or is it the corporate or yeah i would i think that i think our biggest income will be weddings okay um, the, the jury's still out because we haven't had yeah um you know if, it, if we are blessed enough to get 12 to 20 20 would be my maximum i don't know if i could handle more than that but um then I think, you know, we'll help, um, you know, put some money back into the farm and hopefully maybe yeah. we've never been paid. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe for once I can take them some money on that. We'll see. <laughs> now let's move and talk about the, um, the breeding of rare chickens. Um, talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Kind of, how did that get started? Well, after, um, so long story short, my parents, um, well, my dad built this, the entire, everything on the property, um, including the farmhouse and it's a very large house. And we were looking at finally, um, we lived together for seven years, which is a little strange, but, <laughs> yeah, um, it kept our farm going. Um, and then when we realized we could finally separate and afford to be two different households, um, my husband and I and our two kids were going to move down to our other farm. It's about, I don't know, an eighth of a mile, quarter of a mile away, um, into a little, it's about 1200 square foot, um, which we renovated to be a cottage. And then my parents decided to give us an early inheritance, um, and trade for, uh, helping them doing the renovations. Um, <clears throat> so, um, and I forgot the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, <laughs> I get, asking. I get down past cause it's hard to answer. Our lives have been so yeah. um, different and strange at some points that it's hard to answer one question without leading a little bit of a backstory. So what yeah. was your initial? Well, the, 
the the the, the birds. Yeah, the chickens yeah. that you guys do. Okay. Peacocks. So, you have ducks. Yep. Yeah. So we inherited this. Um, okay. For the most part, and it wasn't planned. And so, as a family, I went to the kids and said, "What would you like to do as farmers?" <laughs> yeah. Um, so my daughter loves birds. And so we started picking, um, what our favorite birds were and then decided to be very diverse. So we have, um, peacocks and guineas, um, rare breed of ducks, um, quail, and then chickens. Okay. Oh, and turkeys. Sorry. I forgot about the turkeys too. Now you sell, <laughs> is it mostly hatching eggs or do you also sell, um, day old chicks? How does that all work? Um, I do a lot of shipping and hatching eggs around the United States. I don't hatch as many chicks, um, mostly because of the area I live in, you know, I don't okay. have, and our chickens and breeds are more expensive. <clears throat> so, you know, I try to, and I don't want to hang on to all of them. <laughs> I only have so much room. Yeah. So I think mostly hatching eggs, but I do hatch a lot of times I'll hatch for customers. So I'll, they'll pre-purchase them and I'll hatch out for them. Gotcha. That's a good way to do it. Um, now with the, um, do you have to keep, you have to keep all the flocks very separate though. So you maintain the correct <laughs> bloodlines, right? Yes. Um, and what we do, so we have, they all have separate coops, okay. um, but we free range a different coop and sometimes ah. I let the ducks out and the chickens out because you know, they don't, they're yeah. not each other that way. So, um, so every day somebody gets to come out. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. That makes sense. Hey, Thriving Farmers, where are you on your Thriving Farmer journey? So if you go to our website, growingfarmers.com, you can click on the assessment button, and that will take you to a form, ask you a few different questions, and that will help you figure out where you are on the five-stage Thriving Farmer journey. And what that does then is kicks you a customized PDF that gives you resources to know exactly what to focus on next in your business to go to the next level. So go to growingfarmers.com and click on the assessment. I actually used to have peacocks when I was young and, um, we, uh, unsuccessfully tried to raise them. Um, how, <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys do with them? Is it mainly for the hatching eggs? Cause I, what we found is hatching peacock egg peacocks without the peacocks is very challenging. Like the, the, the take rate and the incubator is very low. It is. Um, I have a very nice incubator. Um, okay. so that, that really helps a lot. Um, what you're incubating with. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people's fails are just because of um, the incubator they're using. Uh, but we do, you know, mon I call it my cruise ship. It monitors um, temperature and humidity for me. I don't have mm -hmm. to do anything. Um, so it's a, it's a great, I have a, um, a Brincy and it does really yeah. nicely for, um, for hatching, but yeah, they are harder to hatch. There's, um, they're harder to hatch the um, Guinea fowl, the breed that we have can be harder to hatch. Um, everybody else is pretty easy, I think. Yeah. Now I was looking to the prices for that. And, you know, obviously if people are selling eggs and like around here, the eggs go for like two fifty a dozen, but they're obviously just eating eggs. Hatching eggs are many multiples of that in some cases. Um, yes. and it all comes back to obviously like the strain you have and how clean your lines are. Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, we try to, I try to keep really good records of, you know, where I get, um, our bloodlines from, mm -hmm. um, and make sure it's diverse. Um, and then I try to work out any, um, 
you know, things that aren't as, um, like the duck, you know, the ducks, sometimes the hens are, um, have a little bit of white where it shouldn't be, or the males do. So I make sure that they go as pet quality when I sell them, um, and they don't get used as breeders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you shipping those to the mail, is there anything special you have to do? Do you do them like overnight or? Uh, that's up to the customer. They don't, I don't think anybody does overnight anymore. Nobody wants to Spend take that. responsibility for yeah. late packages anymore. Um, I always suggest express yeah. um, shipping, but some people don't do that. Um, but no, we, you know, I went through part of what we used to do was packaging for shipping <clears throat> products from the store. And I went through a course on how to package properly. So okay. I just kind of applied applied that to how I package hatching eggs. And man, I'll be honest, I rarely get, um, I mean, I've shipped for two years now, I think. And I think I've had one cracked egg maybe. Oh, wow. That's um, awesome. Yeah. But they do get jostled around. So I may not get any cracked eggs, but um, you know, it's once they get thrown around from the postal um, service, then um, that really reduces your hatching um, yes yeah yeah absolutely um so your family is involved in the operation talk to us a little bit about you know how does that work do you have very specific roles for different people or do you kind of just all work together you know i kind of wish we all worked together (laughs) because sometimes i outside just doing things all by myself but um no it's it's kind of broken up to everybody's talents and skills so um, I do in- interests. Yeah, that's a big thing too. So my dad has absolutely no interest in birds and neither does my mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I can't blame them. You know, it's a lot of work. Um, so my dad does all the vegetable farming. He has, he's, he went to MSU for horticulture. So he oh, okay. has you know, a great background in that. Um, I'm supposed to have been training with him for the past three years, but I've been so busy. I've had time. So maybe yeah. next year. Um, I do all the fruits. I love, um, I'm a very hands-off person when it comes to plants, <laughs> even though I'm a landscape architect, I'm one of the people that puts, um, zero for the amount of maintenance they want in a yard. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I don't have time. Yep. So, um, like fruits are pretty easy. Like there's not a whole, there's not, you know, a whole lot yeah. that you have to, um, do every day, you know, I go out and trim and stuff, but, um, and then my mom's, you know, she's always had a talent for canning and preserving. And, um, so she does all that for the farm. And then the kids, um, now that they're getting a little bit older, Jules, my daughter is almost 11 and Rhett, my son is eight and they have, they've moved to taking care of almost all the animals, just feeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, letting birds out and locking birds up at night. Um, but you know, my daughter feeds our, um, our horse and the goats and, um, you know, yeah, it's very responsible. So it's, um, does the nice day-to-day to care. Yeah. 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 I do absolutely. Other- I do all the fun stuff. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about that. Like the business side of things are who are you the one that takes care of like the, the business books and all of that, or. We actually have an accountant, thankfully. Okay. I, I don't think any of us have time. We're still very busy. Yeah. Um, even though we have pulled back um, operations considerably, we're extremely busy people. Yeah. Um, 
So it's, but, um, but as far as like marketing, um, I used to do graphic design work, um, in Charlotte. So I do all the, everything's done in-house. All the websites are done in-house, the logos, um, you know, gotcha. draw it on a computer. That's probably me or write gotcha. it, you know, the writing too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which I do not have a, do not have an English background, like, um, but I've learned over the years how to hopefully get better with my writing. Absolutely. Okay. And then, so let's talk a little bit about the marketing. How do you market? So obviously each of your enterprises though is very different. It's not like, you know, a value ladder where the people come to the event and want hatching eggs. So they're Mm -hmm. very different. Yeah. um, So, you know, I mean, I'm not a huge Facebook fan. But Facebook does wonders for um, the hatching eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great, there's a lot of communities online um, that are interested. So we do a lot of, I do a lot of marketing. Uh, I have, my phone is full of bird pictures. People okay. Crazy bird lady, but there's like thousands of bird pictures. In there. Yeah. So I just go out and take pictures and, you know, put them up and, um, you know, talk about the breed. And then um, for our events venue, um, that's more things like Google ads. Um, and we have some, um, you know, event sites that we're part of for that. Um, and then the farming um, produce and um, eggs that we sell, uh, that is mostly email marketing and um, some Facebook too and Instagram. I always put it up there. I honestly don't know how many people I get here for that um, yeah. with, with those two um, social media platforms, but um, we've tried to build up a, a good uh, email marketing. Yeah. List, yeah. So. That's so important. Um, yeah. What would you say your favorite breed of, bir- of birds that you raises? Uh, that's a hard one. I'd say, I'll say probably the ducks. Okay. They're Indian runner ducks. So yeah. If you've never seen what they look like, they're hilarious. They're like bowling pins. <laughs> yeah. They're just and quirky and like they make me laugh. So I my favorite of anything is anything that brings me entertainment. <laughs> yeah. And the peafowl, honestly, like they're pretty funny little birds. Like I um quite entertained by them. The guineas yeah. are cool, except they can be very annoying. They're very noisy, they're yes. Pretty, they're pretty funny too. And the quail are very sweet everybody i always heard they were dumb and maybe they are dumb but they're dumb and sweet which i like so yeah they come sit on my feet you know now quail don't they people normally raise those in like completely enclosed because they'll fly off yes yeah they can okay if i free range them there goes all my money (laughs) gotcha yeah they just disappear (laughs) no they're um they're like a little snacks for everybody. No, they're mm. in a, um, they're in a closure and they're, um, have, uh, the half inch, um, yep. That mesh. Yeah. And we yeah. also have, you know, my biggest asset for our birds is our livestock guardian dog. Mm. So not a whole lot gets, um, you know, past him. So we don't, we don't have many, um, casualties around here from predators. And what breed is he? I actually have two. Um, the one that guards the birds is a Anatolian shepherd. Yep. And then the one that guards birds, he does a lot of stuff. Um, 
uh, goats, the pony, um, pigs. He's, he's like, he's got the funny farm. Um, he is a great Pyrenees. Okay. And do you have a particular, like one breed over the other now that you have both of them? Well, I'll say the Anatolian is probably smarter, mm-hmm. but more annoying. <laughs> okay. And when you say annoying, just more like it's just hard. Or... they're just a hard breed to train. I mean, he was, he's just, um, they're very hard headed. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, but he is like absolutely amazing. Like out of the two of them, he is hands down and the most amazing dog I've ever trained. Like he's, um, on top of it and he doesn't mess around. Yeah. The great Pyrenees, he's just very laid back and he's extremely sweet. Like he comes up like a cat and like snuggles with you. Who, who doesn't like that? You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, now tell me a little bit about your helpers of our farm, the hoof program you have. Yeah. So that was, um, the beginnings of our educational outreach for the community is how that started. And it was with Greenlands and we always, um, kind of ran that portion like a nonprofit, uh, but it wasn't. And then in 2016, I um, went through and um, created a nonprofit for it so that um, it was its own entity. And we take in, well, I'll say, but we don't really take in that many anymore because we're at capacity, but, um, and we pretty much keep everybody that we take in, but uh, it's for animals that are rescued, rehomed or adopted. And then some of them are donated mm-hmm. and some come from great homes, um, like really good homes. And then others um, have not, they've, you know, had some pretty rough um, paths that they've gone down before they came to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then you just raise those typically more as, like, as a sanctuary. Yeah. And we use them to teach. So that's gotcha. our teaching platform. So everything that anything educational is done through helpers of our farm or hoof. Um, so it's the platform we use for um, our tours. Uh, we do some therapy sessions. We do um, including cow cuddling mm-hmm. um, and we do yoga on the farm. Um, I go out and teach at schools um, now we've been thinking of doing yoga talk to me through how you have that set up well we used to have a petting farm every saturday okay uh, which we don't anymore but it's a really big space and it's closed in um as far as fenced in and it turns out to be a great place to do yoga (laughs) so it's a, a nice little space and i We've, my parents raised goats before that were all like, you know, 200 pounds. So we could never do goat yoga. Um, and then after they got out of the goat business, um, I restarted up with Nigerian dwarfs. So they're perfect for it. Yeah. Yeah. So you like that breed. Yeah. All right. So outstanding too. I don't know if you've had their milk, but it's I By actually goat's milk I've ever had. <laughs> I did not know that when we yeah. we had the um, Nubians and uh, uh, yeah we had La Macha I think a few La Machas at one point but yeah the Nubians <laughs> was the main one but yeah I did not know the Nigerian dwarfs had the dwarfs had the best milk interesting yeah. very good very cool all right so where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing our web page um, we do try to keep our social media somewhat up. Um, 
you know, like I said, whatever you see posted is me. <laughs> yeah. It depends how busy I am. Um, so we have one for Greenland's farm, um, which is, I think it's at Greenland's farm. Um, and then I have one for the birds on um, Facebook and I feel like it's at rare and beautiful flocks. Okay. I may be wrong. I should have checked that before. Um, and then hoof is at hoof.nc. Um, and we're also on Instagram too, but, and then of course our web pages. So greenlandsfarm.org and then, um, hoof, uh, H O O F N C for North Carolina.org. Gotcha. Okay. Now you still have the, the farm stand on site, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, I, um, run that in the winter time on Saturdays and then in the spring to, to early fall, um, Friday and Saturday. And it's self-serve. Um, I do not, I unfortunately don't have time to yeah. hang out up there. <laughs> I do plan on it. I'm going to do, cause we're getting back into cheese again. So I'm trying to get my farmstead certification, um, so we can sell soft cheeses, but I am going to do, um, a couple, I might do it once a month maybe in the spring or so yeah. for wine and cheese at the farm stand. Okay. Tastings. Yeah. So something kind of fun and simple and make me sit down for a minute and talk with people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's open. Help yourself. Gotcha. <laughs> and, gotcha. And please pay me. <laughs> yeah. Now, now with the payment, do you have that set up with like the take credit cards or do you use yeah. they just, okay. So you have like a kiosk that, to be able to put in their orders or how does that work? Uh, so it's either cash or you can do Venmo or PayPal. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. That's the simpler way to do it. We've got a pretty uh, extensive uh, kiosk buddy that runs through square so they can actually put all their items in and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. It gets, uh, I have a, yeah, I have a um, handwritten receipt. Well, it's a, it's a form and then they just fill it out and say what they got. <clears throat> gotcha. So it helps me track what we sold. Oh, okay. So the little slip of paper yeah. they fell out. Okay. That's very nice. Yeah. Interesting. I bet bad. our older people would really appreciate that. So maybe we'll start offering that. Um, cause all the older people get really upset when we tell them to use the kiosk. They say, I don't do computers. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they well, I also have um, QR codes. So you can actually put those up too. So if they have their mobile, all they have to do is put their camera on it and then it pops it up for them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, that's nice for the, uh, the Venmo and the, 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 yeah. uh, PayPal. Okay. PayPal. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I think that's, that's, wow. This is, I think we covered a lot here. Um, sh yeah. any, what else do you want to leave with? <laughs> Anything else you want to leave people with? Well, I'll say that, um, at this lifestyle is very rewarding. Hmm. Uh, it is something that we all, I don't know, I don't know if it's because we're plant people or, you know, my parents have always been into nature and I've always loved animals, but um, it is a, it's just, it's a wonderful life to live. And it's also a very hard life to live. It's not, every day is something different um, and not something different in a good way sometimes. Um, mm. But, you know, I feel like, um, we are better as a family for it. Um, we are, you know, very close knit family. I mean, I live with my parents mm -hmm. <laughs> and my husband, yeah. <laughs> I agreed to live with my parents for seven years. 
Um, and we never had any problems, you know, it was just us working together as a team. Um, and I love that my kids get to be a part of that. So, yeah. and, um, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good, good life to live. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the big reasons we went back to farming because obviously we had an education, but we still do, but we started the farm because I was tired of sitting in my office at 40 hours a week, um, yeah. working on things and writing things. I'm still in my office more than I like, but you know, it's always part of the day where I'm like, all right, kids put the boots and jackets on, let's go out and, and, yeah. you know, yeah. harvest something or, you know, wrangle something or fix something. Wrangles. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. The wranglings, the, the fun part. <laughs> yes. So, well, Maude, it has been a pleasure to have you on the, the, uh, the podcast and if Thank folks you. want to, they can go to greenlandsfarm.org, check out the website and all that you have going on there. I mean, the, the farm is beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely a beautiful oh, location well, with the pond and all that. So yeah. designed um, by landscape architects. <laughs> well, yeah, it better be good. Right. <laughs> so that's why it looks like it does. It's not a typical farm. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then also check out the flocks too, because I think, you know, hatching eggs is something that um, it is something that, you know, there's demand for and people need to look at, um, and especially with some of these older breeds, which are uh, not being, you know, preserved as well as they would like to be like to. So, you know, being able to make sure that those are getting preserved is important as well. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. Appreciate it. Hey, Thriving Farmers, have you checked us out on YouTube lately? We have a bunch of new content there, including a few rants by me. I uh, want to tell you, you don't want to miss them. Um, I actually go rant about you know some of the problems I see in our space and some of the challenges I see farmers uh, facing. So go check that out. We've got instructional videos over there as well. Talk about setting up our new farm here in Ohio and all the steps we're going to do that, as well as just tutorials and tips on best practices for all sorts of things on the farm. So go ahead, check over at Growing Farmers on YouTube and see the new content we put together for you. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.